Welcome to God Signs, the radio ministry of Deaf Bible Society of Arlington, Texas. This ministry is dedicated to the mission of translating the Bible into every signed language on earth, all 400 of them. That's an enormous task. And this program exists to help you understand this great need in the hope that you too will want to participate in this amazing effort. I'm Marshall Lawrence, and your host for this journey is Chantelle Pagan. And does she ever have a delightful guest for you to enjoy today? So let's get right to it. Chantelle, please open God's Word to us. Thanks, Marshall. Today we'll be reading out of Ephesians 2. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created for Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at all times that you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world, but now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near to the blood of Jesus Christ. It's so encouraging to think there was a time when I was far off from Christ and he called me in, drew me close, connected me to his word, gave me a hope, a promise, and a future. To think of the, those who have not yet experienced or come to know this truth is heartbreaking. There are thousands upon thousands of deaf individuals around the world waiting to know, waiting to see the truths that we find in Ephesians. But now in Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the hope that brings revolutionary ideas, encouragement, and excitement. People like Cameron Townsend, a revolutionary Bible translator who was known as Uncle Cam. And today I'm so excited that we have the privilege of having his daughter here with us today, presenting what passion and conviction for God's word in every people group looks like. Grace, thanks for being here today. 
It is always a pleasure to be here and to be part of what God's doing through Deaf Bible Society. Well, I'm just so thrilled for you to be able to share a piece of your story with our listeners and our viewers. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm the oldest daughter of William Cameron and Townsend and Elaine Townsend. I was born in Peru, South America. I grew up in the Amazonian River, in the dense, dense jungle, and um, had a some of the fun things we got to do be missionary kids is we do alligator hunting and all kinds of fun stuff. So it's, it was just a really fun childhood. Well, just a couple of weeks ago, we had our friend John Chestnut, who's the president of Wycliffe, here with us. And he was able to share a good deal about everything that Wycliffe um, is working on and kind of the history of their organization. But from what I understand, that has a direct correlation to your history as well. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially with the JARS, which is, um, Wycliffe has, their daddy started three organizations. The first one was Summer Institute of Linguistics, today known as SIL International, which is the linguistic arm of Wycliffe, and he started that in 1934. And then there became a need for an organization to oversee the ministry, and that's what they did at that time. That's Wycliffe Bible Translators, named after John Wycliffe, and he started that in 1942. Then there became a real need for aviation when Daddy started working in the, in South America. There was no forms of transportation at all. And so that was started in 1948. So he referred to him as Uncle Cam. Can you share a little bit about how that, how he was given that title? His niece came down to help him and met when they were working in Mexico. And Daddy was her niece, I mean, was her uncle. And so everybody picked, you always call Uncle Cam, and so everybody picked it up and it stayed. My mom was known as Auntie Lane. Oh, I love that. You briefly mentioned that you grew up in the jungle. And so how did your family get there? What did that journey look like for, for you and for your dad? And what did his hands actively work on every day? Well, Daddy felt called to start work in 1945 in Peru, along the Amazon. And the language groups there were very what we would call Stone Age, very much Stone Age. And we um, went to school there. We had a—it's just a real paradise for kids. I mean, the torrential rains walking through the mud puddles, the lake, swimming in the lake every afternoon. It was fun. But it was also great to see firsthand— um, the indigenous um, translators would come into our base. It was called Yadina Kocha. And to see the multitude and the difference of languages come together and working with the translators and learning, seeing God's word put into all the different languages. And Daddy, God gave Daddy the burden for Bible translation when he finished his first translation of Kachikel in Guatemala. And he did that. Um, that's when God, he became aware that the indigenous people needed God's word too. It couldn't be just in Spanish or English or whatever language. And the the it's no surprise because Daddy was Daddy's father closed every single prayer with Habakkuk two fourteen, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, and so that was instilled in him from birth basically. And so it's not no surprise that God would put that burden on his heart that every language would have God's word in his own heart. But I'd like to share one fun story about how God works. Um, it was the Shipibo, um, the Shapanavilla tribe in Peru, and they were known for headhunters. 
And um, you could tell how important the person was by how many shrunken heads, not just headhunters, but shrunken heads they would carry around on their belts or they'd decorate their walls with the shrunken heads. And so when we first got there, um, Lori Anderson came to Dad and she said we, she and her partner felt called to go to the Shopper Village. And Daddy said, no, it's way too dangerous. I can't send you. And so they finally agreed to go away and pray for a week and come back and see. And we came back, and she said, no, we still feel called to go to the Chaplas. Well, years later, um, Daddy became very good friends with the chief, which was Chief Tadidi. And so he asked Tadidi, he said, so, Tadidi, what did you think when two women got out of the airplanes to come and um, to live with you? And he said, oh, we thought they were looking for husbands, but if you had sent men, we would have killed them instantly. So God has a real sense of humor. <laughs> He does. And I, I love the legacy portion of what you're sharing that was instilled in you, not only from your father, but from your grandfather as well. And from what um, I've heard you share in times before the interview is that your grandfather was actually deaf. Is that correct? That is correct. He was not born deaf. It was due to a construction accident that he became deaf. And so my the only way you could communicate in those days with, um, I never got to know my grandpa because there's quite an age difference, but um, it was through a tablet. And I can't even imagine trying to have to write down everything that you want to tell your father through on a tab tablet. But Daddy was quite a character. In those days, um, they had a they thought it was a hearing device. It did not really work. Of a big um, funnel like that would put in put in the ear. And so Daddy didn't really believe his father was deaf. And he played the trombone. And so he stuck the trombone into this device and played it, blew out of it quite loudly. And his daddy didn't even flinch. Now, if he wasn't deaf before, he would have been deaf after that experience. <laughs> but um, his daddy had quite a sense of humor. Yeah, he really did. So I'm just guessing that that was probably your very first understanding and exposure to deaf community. Is that correct? That would be absolutely correct. And what, I was brought up with a vision for Bible translation and that every language would have God's word in their own heart language. And as I got older and especially becoming more aware of, of how the, the 400 deaf languages, and there are probably more, because the deaf are really a hidden group. And to see the importance of them having God's word in their own heart language, so for me, I say it's the last frontier of Bible translation because they are a hidden group, a forgotten group, which breaks your heart. Well, Uncle Cam was definitely revolutionary in seeing the Bible need across the world. Grace, I'd love to hear more about Cam's story. What was the moment for him where the Lord drew him close and really birthed in him the passion of God's word for every person? Well, Daddy's story is World War I, 1917, and he heard the need to sell Bibles and tracts in Guatemala. Now, this is in the midst of the war, and they were, he and his best friend Robbie were commissioned to go leave the following week to go over to Europe to serve in the war. And the burden that he heard was so significant that he and Robbie went to their commanding officer and said, we've been challenged to go to Guatemala to sell Bibles and tracts. And the, the um, commissioner said, I release you in the middle of the war because there is a better, there's a greater need to get God's word to those in Guatemala than to go over to, um, to Europe. 
So they arrived in Guatemala, and their first assignment was that is was to sell Bibles and tracts in the large language group of the Cachiquels up in the mountains of Guatemala. He soon realized he wasn't selling many Bibles and tracts because the people obviously didn't read Spanish. They didn't know Spanish. And one day his helper said, you know, if your God is so great, why doesn't he speak Cachiquel? Is he only the God of the English and Spanish-speaking people? And Daddy, that really pierced Daddy's heart. And he realized, no, God did speak Hachikel. And so he spent the next 10 years without any training translating the scriptures into Hachikel. Now, when he finished the New Testament in Hachikel, he realized, no, there are other languages out there. And I think God was merciful. Um, he thought there might be 500 languages. You can kind of get your arms around 500. He soon realized that there were 2,000. Our first movie and um, was called in book was called 2,000 Tongues to Go. And today we know there are over 7,200 languages in the world today with over 2,000 that still have no way of knowing that Jesus loves them. And that includes the 400 deaf languages. And so Daddy committed his life to training linguists, to be able to do this, we're in, um, the SIL, um, Summer School Linguistic Arm of Wycliffe, is world-renowned for accuracy and translation. And what's exciting now is that we're training the indigenous people, the nationals, to do the translation, and we're the consultants for them now. And it's really speeding up Bible translation, and our goal is to have it done by 2033. Not completed, but at least some portion of God's Word in every one of these 7,200 languages. So we're living in a very exciting day. It's going to happen while in our lifetime. And it's, um, you know, some of Daddy's last words before he went to be with Jesus were, I won't get to see it. And Bernie May was with Daddy at the time, and he said, what do you mean, Uncle Cam? He said, I won't get to see that last language, get God's word. And Bernie said, oh, yes, you will. I'm sure the Lord will give him that vision. But that's what he gave his life to. And, um, but it was an exciting life. Um, he knew 42 presidents personally by first name. And I'm not talking about United States presidents. I'm talking about worldwide presidents. And, um, and the chief tidy that I told you about earlier often went with him because he had a dynamite testimony. And, boy, he would really nail these, these um, the presidents and so forth with, for the Lord. But it's an exciting journey that we all have when we say yes to Jesus. And I often share that before Daddy started Wycliffe, before he started SIL, before he started JARS, before com- Jungle Training Camp, before Jungle um, Public um, Communications with the publications, before computers to speed Bible translation, before all this, there was a young man who loved his Lord and simply wanted to serve him. And that was the calling on Daddy's life to get God's word to that last language. And isn't that the calling on all of our lives, that Jesus would invite us in to his goal and his mission, that one day every nation, every tribe, every tongue would be celebrating and rejoicing around the throne. So we know that one day we will be in celebration with Uncle Cam and excited for that day when he too sees that every nation did have the opportunity to know God's word. It's interesting how often that um, Bible verse, Revelation 7, 9, is repeated in different places in Scripture. And I'm always fascinated. It says every language, every tribe. And um, it, it covers it all. And yes, we have that part. 
and I often like to share a puzzle piece that, um, you know, when you do a jigsaw puzzle and a piece is missing, you feel like, oh, I've wasted all that time. The puzzle's incomplete. And I share that we all are a piece of God's puzzle, whether it be through giving, through volunteering, through um, encouragement. I encourage all of you, if you know of a missionary, send them, with technology today, it's easy. Send them a text, send them an email. I'm praying for you. Prayer is huge. Pray for, we, at Deaf Bible Society, we would welcome you to pray for us and pray for the, God giving us the capabilities to be able to get the to translate God's word into signing for all these different languages. It's huge, and it's very costly. Yeah, it is, and it's true. We need prayers. We need to be praying, and we need to be encouragers. The Lord is so good, and he brings joy to his people, and so let us be a people that are excited about bringing God's word to every person, and that includes deaf people. How do you think he would feel, and what would his response be to the lack of Bible translations for sign languages. As you said, he had a, a huge heart that every language would have God's word in their own heart language. God's word is, is the lifeblood of all of us Christians. And um, I just, I'm sure he's up in heaven just rejoicing that finally somebody has heard the need to share God's word with the deaf. So now as you are passionately partnering with the deaf Bible cause and making people aware everywhere you go of the need of Bible translation efforts for deaf communities. What has been the most impactful response that you are receiving from others when you share? Well, this response I received from others is my first response as well. And that was, well, they can see so they can read. And so they can read God's word. And it was pointed out to me that when I'm reading God's word or reading anything, that in my mind, I'm sounding out the words. They've never heard the words, so they can't sound them out. So it's truly a foreign, reading any language, it would be a foreign language for them. And that really hit me in a real, real way and gave me a real understanding that we owe it to Jesus. But he died that we would all have his, his love for us. He died for that. And so the least we can do is see that the deaf have God's word, have a chance to know how much God loves them. That's what's impacted me. It's also impacted me is that it's, they're so forgotten, and that breaks my heart. And when you go into indigenous languages, they, um, and this is true around the world, if anybody, child is born with any defect um, at all, and being deaf would be considered a defect, they're often killed at birth. And, um, and then if they live, they're often hidden. And to give, we all have value in God's eyes. All of us have value. We're all the same. And I just long to be able to get, let the deaf know how important they are to Jesus, how much Jesus loves them, and how important God's word is in that, as the vehicle for that. Absolutely. How will they know if they do not have scripture to be that authoritative an infallible word to them to hope in, to trust in, and to anticipate only good things from the Father of. We're so thankful for your commitment in doing that as an ambassador for JARS now and as a, a partner to Deaf Bible Society. You really are helping the mission move forward so that every deaf person would have access um, to God's word in their sign language. It's so lovely to hear Grace's recollections of her father. 
the great Bible translator Cameron Townsend. You can hear it in her voice, her great affection and admiration for her father, as well as her own passion for the work of Bible translation for unreached people groups all over the world, and especially now for the deaf. She's right, you know. Deaf people are the most forgotten people in the world when it comes to getting a Bible translated into their own signed language. But today, small, inexpensive video players are readily available in most parts of the world, perfect for deaf people who need to see their language, not hear it. Now that these tools are available, we need to finish the very hard work of translating God's Word into their language of signs, and we need your help to do it. Won't you please go to GodSigns.com and make a contribution to help make that happen? What would you do without the Bible? Help deaf people get the Bible in their heart language, too. GodSigns.com Thank you. Now here's Chantel to complete her conversation with Grace. I think that Uncle Cam would be excited for this day in history as technology has revolutionized the way that we are bringing the Word of God to deaf people around the world. And so from a perspective of JARS, what is that specifically looking like for your team in taking God's Word through aviation and things of that nature to the most remote parts of the earth? It's exciting because we, JARS provides the tools that make Bible translation possible, and part of those tools is technology. And so that's where we can partner with Deaf Bible is coming alongside you all with the technology over in the, in the um, far outreach areas of the world and with the studios and so forth that are necessary. And so it's exciting to see, you know, Daddy really worked hard in the 70s for Christian orga mission organizations to partner together. And in the 70s, it was only isolated organizations, and we, they wouldn't work together. And now what I love about sharing missions today is that, you know, we're all a part of the body of Christ, and we're all necessary to getting God's Word to that last language group. And we all bring our own talents to the table. And so JARS provides the talents in regarding to technology and uh, getting, helping to get our um, translators or, um, out to the villages, which are in the dense, dense jungles or far out. Bible translation now is in the hardest, most persecuted areas of the world today. And so it's much more challenging in that respect. And so we're just blessed to come alongside other mission organizations and say, hey, we're here to help you. How can we help you get to your village or help you with technology or help you with media and so forth? Mm, I love what you shared there, that we all have a part to play in getting God's word to every person. And so what would be your encouragement to our listeners and our viewers of how they themselves can become an advocate um, for deaf people, much like you've become? I would encourage you to learn what you can, contact Deaf Bible Society, learn more how, how they interact and how we are making God's Word possible for the deaf around the world. Some of us can go. Some of us can help strategically through giving. It's very, very costly to get God's Word through technology for the deaf. And so if you can't go, I'd encourage you to educate yourself, and I would encourage you to contact Deaf Bible Society and see Choose a language group that you could help support or what your role you could help in getting God's word to that deaf language. 
Thank you so much, Grace. We appreciate having you here today. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, thank you, Grace. What wonderful stories you shared about your father, Cameron Townsend, and his great vision, which is even more active and vital today in bringing God's word to unreached people groups all over the world, including the deaf. God knows and loves each one of us. He sent his word to each one of us. And now, thanks to partnerships with Deaf Bible Society and others, God's word will someday be able to be read on the fingertips of deaf people all over the world, too. This story is one deaf people should see as well, and they can at GodSigns.com. All our programs are there on video with clear American Sign Language so the deaf can be blessed by this program too. And please make a donation to make sure that someday all the deaf will see and understand God's Word in their native signed language. They need that. They deserve that. God bless you. <laughs>